All right, Matthew 13, and uh, we're going to pick up here in Matthew 13, and uh, we're at this interesting passage here. Uh, again, uh, the, we're in the middle discourse of the three discourses in Matthew. Uh, the first one is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where we have the principles of the kingdom laid out. Then over in Matthew 24 and 25, you have the second Olivet Discourse where he gives the prophecies about the kingdom, lays them out. And then here in Matthew 13, we begin to have the parables of the kingdom. And uh, these parables are very important. And uh, we begin to look at them last time. Uh, the first issue that we looked at was why did Christ speak in parables? And if you're there in Matthew 13, if you look at verse 10, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of, God, of heaven, but to them it is not given. So why, he... Why did he speak in parables? So that the believing remnant could understand and the apostate nation uh, wouldn't get it. So Christ spoke in parables in order to hide truth from a certain group, not as the typical way of looking at it. Of it. He was using it to make truth clearer and plainer. So he was using everyday life things so the, the dumbest people could get it all the way up to the ivory tower people. That's not why he did it. The, you know, and he did it to really hide truth from a certain group and then reveal it to another group. And, and really, that's why he began to speak in parables. He's, they've completely rejected him, chapter 11 and 12. Now he's withdrawn himself away from the multitudes. He, here he's sitting out in the boat. Uh, so he's sitting out on the sea. Uh, the sea, a type of the Gentile nations. He's sitting out amongst where he should have been up on the seashore with them, but they're rejecting him, so he's out in the sea, and he speaks back to them. So when we begin to look here in the, in the first the verses 10 to 17, last time uh, we were talking about this, and this is the issue of the parables are connected with the judgment of God and uh, that judicial blinding where God is going to, to, to make it so that the unbelievers can't get the truth and that the believers do get it. And that thing in Proverbs where much reproof hardeneth his, the man's neck. I butchered the verse, but you get the idea. So constantly, you know, people, how can God, you know, harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh did. Every time Moses spoke the word of God, it just, I'm not going to hear it, I'm not going to hear it, I don't want it, I don't want it. So that's what's happening. So you'll notice, by the way, there in verse 10, uh, why speakest unto them in parables, them, the unbelievers. And again, they're, they're, they're not given to, to make it clear and easy, but rather it's, it's there to hide some things. And the parables are the parables of the mystery or the secrets of the kingdom. And again, I said it last time, every time you read the word mystery or secret, you can't instantly knee-jerk to, oh, church the body of Christ and the Apostle Paul. But it's not, not 
You can't do that. I know people do do that, but you're not, you have to get in, look at it, study it out, and see what's going on. And really the context begins to tell you that. Uh, the note here in Schofield, he's got 11 different mysteries listed in note number three at the bottom of Matthew 13 there. So, okay, there are many mysteries, so what's going on here? And the issue really this evening that I want you to see is, is how he interprets the parables. And how he does it is what's important. And the why he's doing it, we got who, you know, why he's speaking, what he's doing, the goal, the, 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 the whole of all of his parables in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have to do about the kingdom of heaven. But here... Why, how to interpret is what we're going to get into starting in verse 17 or verse 18. But rather, there's some things that you, you got to just kind of get here. The details of these parables are very important. And when Christ, what Christ is going to do is he's going to interpret two parables for you. He's going to assign meanings to, to the details in the parables. And he's, he's going to do it in such a manner that when they then come to it, they can understand what he's talking about. So he gives them a key up here in the beginning. He's beginning to speak in parables, Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8. He starts speaking. Then he gives them, he, he interprets it for them, gives them a key to understand it. And the details are important because there, there, there's going ha- to be several meanings to these parables to that believing remnant. Um, all the parables have to do, again, with the establishment of the kingdom of heaven. Come over to Mark 4. Just look here at Mark 4. And the, the last point that you've got to remember with the parables, one, the details are important. There are going to be several meanings to them. They're about the establishment of the kingdom. And really, you're going to get the interpretation of them by comparing Scripture with Scripture, verses with verses. And that's really how you ought to be doing all of it anyway. I, I, again, uh, Mark 4, I, I'm really surprised at people that when you, and I, this is all online, and I'll be honest with you, I could change my name and face and picture and everything, and I could throw darts at everybody. That's not proper. It's not the right thing to do. Because you, you, there's no accountability to anything on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, all that. You can hide behind everything and never have any accountability. But um, hold on to Matthew 13. Come over to Mark 4. Just notice a few verses here as we begin to look at this issue about how the, the, the interpretation of them. Mark 4, verse 11. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive. Hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. So he's talking about the unbelieving nation. And he says things are going to be done now in the parable so that they can't see, they can't get converted, they can't get forgiven, that he, 
I want you guys to understand it. They're not going to. Verse 13. And he said unto them, Know you not this parable? How then will ye know all parables? Notice the question. Don't you? He's going to give them the parable of the sower. Verse 14, the sower soweth the word. All right? I'm sorry, he just gave them the parable of the sower in the first 10 verses there. And he says, look, guys, how are you going to understand? The, how you understand the parable of the sower is now how you're going to understand all the other ones. And you're going to, you need to get this basic understanding down. Come back to Matthew 13 so that you can understand what's going on and how things are going to be playing out. So the parable of the sower is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The parable of the tares, which in, in Matthew 13, it starts in verse 24, is only in Matthew. So when you see these and when we look at these, there, there's some things that are going on here that... These parables, they're the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. They're about the little flock. They're about some things that are going to happen with them and what's going to take place with them. The nation of Israel has rejected them. They've actually, we're going to go to Calvary here a little later in the book. And he says, listen, guys, I'm going to be talking to them, and you need to understand how to interpret what I'm telling you and what I'm talking to you about. Now, again, none of this is applicable to you and I today because we live in the dispensation of grace, all right? But yet, as we study the Word, we can too then begin to get an understanding. Notice something with me. Come over to Revelation. Come back with me to Revelation. I'll find this passage here. Oh. I uh, had several emails about Sunday's study and trying to understand some of the stuff I was hitting quick. And uh, look at Revelation chapter 1. I think we looked at this the other day, last time. Revelation chapter 1. There's something. I'm looking for another one. Anyway, if you look at verse 20... The mysteries of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the, gold, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven golden sticks, golden candlestick, seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. You see that use of the word are? This is what they represent. That's what he's doing in... In, in, the, in, the, in the parables and with the parables. There, there's another, man, up the passage here. It's right in front of me. I know it is. And that's what's here. All right, go back to Matthew. Oh, no, there it is. Revelation 17. Revelation 17. In Revelation 17, you've got verse 8. And the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. You, you heard me say Sunday about that. The Antichrist dies, lays in state, and then the king of the bottomless pit enters into him. That's how you know that right there. He comes out of the bottomless pit and goes into what? Perdition. 
The, man, the Antichrist has two components to his career, the man of sin, the son of perdition. There he is. Now what I want you to see is, look at verse 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom, the seven heads or seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And the seven, and there are how many? Seven what? Kings. Five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come, and when he cometh, he must continue a short, short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seventh, and go into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings and the mountains of, of Rome. So everybody throws the Rome in this and all these. What are the seven mountains? They're kingdoms. They're kings. That's what the verse says. And there are seven kings. What are the ten horns? Ten kings. So then what are they? They're government. They're politicians. But see how scripture just helps identify for you? You know, you pick up the books and you start reading books about it. Come back to Matthew 13. And, and again, <laughs> when we go through this stuff, he's doing something for a reason. Now, when you come into Matthew here, verse 13, chapter 13, when you come into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the, early, early ministry, the earthly ministry of, of Christ and the early part of Acts, we need to pay attention to or have in the back of our mind about the activity of the 12 apostles. Because as we begin to look at these parables, we're going to begin to see that they're really beginning to talk about a tribulation, the tribulation period of time and going into the kingdom. And there's a group of people, I mentioned it Sunday, 144,000. And the 144,000 in their activity, and not much is said about what they do, but you get a picture of them in the 12 apostles and the little flock in the early Acts. And you go look at Revelation 14 over there and what they do. And you know what you begin to see? They were doing it here, the 12, the little flock, and the 144,000 are going to be over here. Well, who's stuck in the middle? The dispensation of grace. There are no 12 apostles. They're all dead. Actually, they're not even dirt anymore. They're gone. They've been boomed away. Okay? So then what happens? Well, he's got a group of people that he'll deal with and do over there. So as we begin to jump into these parables, we're going to see that these parables are going to begin to move us in, in from the day of the Lord and who he's talking to, that audience, over into the 70th week of Daniel and then on into the kingdom. Now notice verse 18, Matthew 13, 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catch away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that receiveth seed into the seed into stony places... The same as he that receive, heareth the word, and anon, and with, rejoy, with joy receiveth it. Anon, uh, that, that's an archaic English word. We don't use it very much here. You'll find it, they use it more over in, in England, but it means immediately. That's what the word means, okay? Immediately. Verse 21, Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. 
For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bring forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, notice what's going on there. there there's a man that's going to go out and sow some seed. Who's that man? Christ. Christ is the sower, okay? And he's going to begin to sow some seed, and he's going to sow it on four grounds, four sets of grounds. The stony ground, the wayside, okay, the, <clears throat> the wayside, the stony ground, I just had them. The thorns, thank you, I couldn't, I couldn't find it. And then the good ground. And what those four are, and, and what those four are going to represent, is the issue in this parable is that that seed is received into the hearts of the people, and, and what it's going to end up being is the four responses from the people. How they're going to respond. Verse 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth, it not, then cometh the wicked one and catch away that which was sown in his heart. The soil, the ground, is going to represent the heart of the people that are going to hear the word. So then what you have in the parable is four responses that they're going to be given to the word that they're hearing about the kingdom. And again, the sower is the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you'll notice, look at verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them. Verse 20, or I'm sorry, verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them. Verse 33. Another parable spake he unto them. Every other parable he talks about. The kingdom of heaven is like, and another parable he put forth in him saying the kingdom of heaven is likened, is liked. Okay, verse 37, he answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Every other parable he says that the kingdom of heaven is like something. But in this, the parable of the sower, he doesn't say that because the sower is who? It's Christ, the Son of Man. So Christ is the sower in the passage, and the parable of the sower, he is, uh, he's, he's not describing the kingdom yet. The other ones are going to. Another parable, like unto the kingdom is likened to. But rather here, he's going to talk about what the word of the kingdom, the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, he's going to do that, What's the response coming back to him? Follow that? And he's, they're in, they sit in four categories. When, what, what's going to happen when he's out there giving them the word? Now, what's interesting is that it doesn't say how much, each word, how much word is given to each one. It's just that he did what? Gave them the word. Preached the word. 
And when you have that issue, come over to Luke 8. Luke 8. And, and again, you, uh, the sower is Christ, and that seed, Luke 8, is going to be the Word of God. Luke 8 and verse number 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Isn't that interesting? So it's the Word of God. Again, it's not just any, word, any part of the Word of God. It's very specific. It's a very, it's very specific Word from God. And it has to do about the kingdom of heaven. So when you come back to Matthew 13, in verse 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, so it's going to be the message of God about the kingdom. It is the gospel of the kingdom. It is the good news about the kingdom. It's everything's doing about the king, Not the body of Christ, not the dispensation of grace, not you going out into the community and sprinkling the word, the seed all here and hope it catches. That, has, that is none of that nonsense. It sits here. It's talking about the little flock. Actually, what it's really beginning to do is tell you what that little flock's going to be doing in the early Acts and in the 70th week over there. And what are they going to be doing? Preaching the word about the kingdom. Do I need to say it again? Okay, I think we got it. <laughs> That's what's happening here. Um, that the the word God's word and that and, and the, the word that gets planted into the heart, when it gets on that good ground, it's going to bring forth fruit. It's going to bring forth life, and life everlasting. And that's that is the key here. And when you think about the word of God, it is the life. It's what gives life. And uh, you have to be very careful with it. So the Lord, he's going to talk, he's going to take the word of the kingdom. He's going to send it forth. He's going to do it in several different ways. We'll see them as we go. But yet there's going to be a reaction to it. And there's going to be a reaction to it first here by the wicked one. Then there's going to be a reaction to it by... The one group that, they got it, but there's no depth to it. There's no, they are of us, but they're really not of us. They're really at belong. And, and when tribulation comes, they take off. Then there's going to be a guy who's going to hear it and completely reject it and wants the riches of the world. And then there's going to be the believer that catches it, has it, and off they go. So you've got the four responses. You've got the four kinds of hearers that are going to come in at the time that they're teaching. And they're going to come in and they're going to say, nope, yes, maybe, so, you know, and they're going, to, they're going to land in this area. Monday night we were talking about the Ten Commandments. I asked the, I call them the kids, but they're not really kids. They're, they're young adults. And I asked them if they knew where the Ten Commandments were in their Bible. When you ask people that, most people don't know Exodus 20 is where they're at. Did you know? I just told you. Okay. All right. <laughs> Exodus 20, we know now. You know? And, and so what's going to happen? Well, you get different responses from different people and different levels of understanding or no understanding. So let's look at them. Verse, thir uh, verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, 
Then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So you've got the seed being sown by the wayside. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't take, because who shows up? Well, if you go back over to verse 4. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Isn't that interesting? Who showed up? The birds. The bir fowls in Scripture are, are illustrations over and over and over again of, of, of Satan and his adversary. You remember the movie The Birds or, or the, bir the Attack of the Birds or whatever, the book or whatever it is? Okay. I don't like, you know, we sit, you, you sit in awe on birds. They're beautiful creatures. But, man, when you get them big black thing, black birds show up, and there was a picture of all the garbage up in the campsites and everything, and there was one picture of, the, of all the garbage just scattered everywhere. And they were talking to one of the forest personnel up there, and she said that the ravens did that. She said those bags were all neatly stacked together, and then they came in, and then they, they spread it out so they can get into the good stuff. And, and if you've ever been around them big black birds, those raven birds, they're brutal when they want something. So the man hears the word here, but it isn't mixed with any faith. And so it doesn't really become a part of them. The, the birds come. Satan comes along and takes it away. But notice verse, uh, no, notice verse 19 carefully. Actually, real quick, run back over there to Mark 4. I should have had you stick something in here. Mark 4. Verse 15, and, and Matthew 3.19, because there's something in Matthew 3.19 that he says that's very interesting. Matthew 3.19, and understandeth it not, then cometh that the wicked one. You see that wicked one? Now Matthew 4.15, I'm sorry, Mark 4.15, Mark 4.15, says that... And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they had heard, have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away. See, the wicked one and Satan, we'll come back over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. That designation of that title, the wicked one, Satan, is a reference to Satan as a, in a very special manner, okay? And that issue, it, it's really a special characteristic type title of Satan. And it has to do with the period when the Antichrist is on the scene. So now where are we? 70th week of Daniel, okay? 2 Thessalonians 2, look at verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Now, who is that? That's the Antichrist. Okay, look back up at verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's the Antichrist. But what's he called? Wicked. The wicked one. The Antichrist has a special title 
and that's that wicked one. And when we read over here in the parable here, and you read about the wicked one coming, Satan comes, but not just Satan in any form, in any manner, but Satan under a title that is specially, and it, and it looks at the tribulation period of time. And go back to Matthew 13, and as we go down through these parables, you're going to see a tribulation connection constantly back and forth with them. So the fowls, verse 4, Matthew 13, 4, the fowls come and eat the thing. And, and again, Satan is described in 1 Peter 5 as a, as a roaring lion going around doing what? Devouring, seeking whom he may devour that's what's happening here they're going around he's going around looking to devour up what that word keep the word out of them okay so again satan's going to come along through his op, through his satanic policy of evil the op, the program against the nation of israel and he's going to use the antichrist as as a mechanism in that and he's just going to onslaught but what's he going after the word Verse 20, Matthew 13, 20. He that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and Anon with joy receiveth it. Here's someone that does receive and appears to believe the word. Yet, verse 21, hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word. Notice why the tribulation and persecution arise. Because what's he got? He's got the word. By and by he is offended. The first guy, doesn't, he doesn't have any understanding. He doesn't understand it at all. This man here, he's got no root, nothing going down and holding. He doesn't really grasp the stuff. Yet he, does, he has it, he you know, appears to, we, I see people like this all the time. I really do. Breaks my heart. Oh, I got that stuff, man, that's great, Rick, blah, blah, blah. And then you see them drift over here and they're talking like they shouldn't be talking. <laughs> if you understand what truth is, then you shouldn't be talking about stuff in an untruthful manner. It, it doesn't have a what? It doesn't have a grip. It doesn't have a hold. It doesn't have, so now the stony ground guy he, again, appears to believe, but there's no enduring. He doesn't hold, hold on to it, hold out. And when the pressure comes up against him, the persecution, the tribulation, he quits. Come over to Matthew 24. He just stops. He doesn't go any longer. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse number 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came excuse me, unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world? So the disciples come. They want to know about the end of the age and the end of the world. So he's going to tell them. Verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. 
And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Verse 9 and verse 10 talk, tells them about being, they're going to be delivered up to affliction and be killed and so forth. Verse 13, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. What's the requirement to endure? They, they have to endure to what? To the end. Verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all the nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Verse 15 is in the midst of the week, midst of the 70th week. So if you see here, come back over to, to 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, here they are. So they're, they're looking good, smelling good, sound good, taste good, smell right, do everything they're supposed to do until persecution shows up and then they bail. 1 John 2, look at verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. There they are. They went out from us. They left us. They quit, James, John's saying. Why? Well, they really weren't of us. They didn't have... They didn't have the root. Go back to Matthew 13. They didn't, they didn't have what needed to be able to stand through the pressure. So when these guys go out and preach and teach, they, they're going to understand what's going on. They're going to understand that there's going to be people that are going to listen to them and feign the I got it. Amen, brother. Preach it. And then as soon as trouble hits, they're bailing. And again... We're right up in that issue of the tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel. Matthew 13, verse 22. He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. So now you got the thorny ground. Here's someone that receives the word, but the cares of this world choke it out. He, he's ready, he, he hears the word, and yet he, the riches of the world just got him. The first guy, the first fella, the first response, he's made unfruitful by the devil. He faced the opposition from the adversary and lost. The second guy has the opposition from the flesh, and he succumbs. And he lets the persecution get him. The third guy, the opposition comes from the world and the allurement of the world. And that temptation, the flesh, the world, and the devil, man, that right there were, were tempted the Lord. Matthew 4, Luke 4. Those three temptations. God, there it was. And you know what? Christ endured through them. He got through them, set the example, 
and there they are. Now the thorny guy, the deceitfulness of the riches is what's going to choke out the word. Thus he becomes unfruitful, and uh, he never really grows up. Now that ought to remind you of some things. Come back to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Isn't that interesting? Then he goes and tells the story there about storing up riches and so forth. Um, and, and off they go. Come over to Matthew 19. Matthew 19. So the Lord is making, in this parable, he's taught, hey, I've already taught you some of this. Let's remember, Matthew 19, 21. And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But when the young man heard that, that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had, for he had great possessions. And Dad used, would always say, he had great possessions, and great possessions had him, because he walked away from it. What's going to happen in the tribulation out there? when they have the mark of the beast is on the table. You can't buy or sell without doing what? The mark. So when, when we work, we're talking about working from home and different things today. When you work, you are selling yourself. You're selling your labor. Well, you can't sell yourself because you don't have the mark. Or as some yo-yo said, the mask. Got to have the mask on, Okay. Well, the mask isn't the mark of the beast when you study what the mark of the beast is. It's not what it is, okay? But you know what's going to, it's going to be tough for these folks. Come back to Matthew 13. When they can't go to the grocery store and get food for the kids and the kids are hungry and they're crying, Mommy, Daddy, feed me. We're hungry. We're hungry. And a man of faith, a family of faith, the kids aren't going to completely understand what's going on, won't, won't be able to go down to the grocery store and get food. He's going to have to stay the course. Now, in our responses, these guys aren't staying the course. These guys are falling apart. By the way, that's why you have a passage like Matthew 25. Look over there at Matthew 25. You see, the cares of this world, the worry, all the stuff that everybody's going to go through, the believer has to jettison that and has to put it aside. Matthew 25, you start in verse 31, where the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him. Then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one another as a shepherd divided the sheep from the goats. He puts the sheep on the right hands and the goats on the left. Okay? Then he says to him in verse 34, Come ye blessed of my... Uh, I'm sorry. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, So the sheep... By the way, these are Gentiles. They're the nations. He says, Come ye blessed of my and father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you and from the, from the foundation of the world. For I was a what? Hungered. And what did they do? Gave them meat. Verse 35. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. 
I was a stranger and you took me in, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall, notice, the righteous answer. See how they went from nations to sheep to righteous? Lord, when did we do this to you? And you come all the way over in verse 40, and he says there in the middle of that verse, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. You know what's going to happen to those believe that believing remnant in the 70th week of Daniel? When they're down there, come back to Matthew 13, and they can't buy and sell, there's going to be a Gentile come up there and practice the Abrahamic covenant and bless them. And when he gets over there in the kingdom, when that apostate nation is sitting there watching the Gentiles go into their kingdom, and they're screaming, hey, how can that dirty, rotten so-and-so go in there? He's going to say, because they owe ye of little faith. They had faith. You didn't. They took care of my people, my brethren. That's what's going on there. So when you come back up here, that guy, he, gets, he, he heard the word, verse 22, but he got sucked in by the system and the desire to have the riches. And, and I'll tell you what, it's going to be tough for these folks to go through that 70th week because they're going to have decisions to make that are going to require the cupboard to be bare ultimately. Especially if you have kids. That's why he says, woe to them who travail in birth. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to be horrible timing. That, could you imagine? Anyway, anyway I, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Verse 23. Let's get the fourth ground here. But he that received, Matthew 13, 23. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth, which also beareth fruit. And bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, that's the whole point. The good ground, the good heart. Here's a guy that's going to hear the word. He's going to understand the word. And what does he do? He bears the fruit. And you go over there and you look at the book of the Revelation, in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, those seven churches. Chapter 2, you look at verse 2, you look at verse 9, you look at verse 13, you look at verse 19. Chapter 3, you look at verse 1, you look at verse 8, you look at verse 17. And he says, I know your works. Talking to the overcomer. I know thy works. Why? Because works, fruit bearing, is an issue in the tribulation with regards to these people in that program. That's why James 2 will say, faith without works is dead. Works are required, bearing fruit. Faith has always been the issue with God. But in this program, their faith is required to bring forth fruit. And it's in relationship to the kingdom. And it's in relationship to them getting over there into the kingdom. That issue of fruit bearing. The first guy, no fruit. The devil took it from him. The second guy, he received it. He thought he was doing good, and it just, as soon as someone came up to snatch it from him, he quit. Uncle, you can take it. 
The third guy never got even started either. The flesh got him. The good ground. Come over to Matthew 21. The good, the good ground. He got it. Matthew chapter 21. And he began to produce fruit. And again, you take those cha- chapter 2 and 3 there, every, every, those seven. I know, your, I know your works. I know your works. You did good, but you didn't do good enough. Then he gets all the way down to that last one. And he's like, I know you're trying, <laughs> but you're just not making it. Matthew 21, look at verse 43. That little flock is identified by the fact that it's bearing fruit. That's what identifies the little flock. Matthew 21, 43, And therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation. We're gonna, he's talking to, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you religious leaders. And we're going to go over here and give it to a nation doing what? Bringing forth the fruits thereof. The nation, the little flock, that true group of believers that are bringing forth the fruit of the kingdom, that's who gets the kingdom. That's who's getting that. So the good ground guy, he hears the word, understands the word, he brings forth fruit, He's enduring to the end. He's getting the job done. Now, go back there to Matthew 13, 23. There's three categories. There's three degrees here. And there's of, of fruit, okay? And he's, he's going to uh, come over to Revelation 12, okay? He's going to, Revelation 12. On your way, stop at John 15, because we were in John 15. John 15, verse 1, John says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. The true vine, the true nation, that, those four trees of Israel. Jesus, he's, what he's saying is, I'm the true nation. My father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, and it that it may bring forth, what? More fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Drop down to verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so ye shall be my disciples. Not more fruit, but how much fruit? Much fruit. You know how people are going to look, you know what the Lord's look, telling the disciples here, is he said, you know how they're going to know that you're my, my disciple? Because you're bearing much fruit, a hundredfold. So those, those 160 and 30, those are degrees. Fruit, much fruit, more fruit, much more fruit, Okay. He said some are going to have 30 and some are 60 and some are, th- th- that's the activity. Those that aren't are going, to, are going to be what? Cut off. I mean, whack them. They're done. But then those that are bearing fruit, what do you do to them? You prune them so that they can do what? Go up and bear more fruit. I mean, we have fruit, citrus trees at home. They're little dudes. They're just getting going. 
and you know you keep the suckers off the you know you got to do this and kind of you know and Ricky's got a tree by his front door and it's a bush and I told him I said you know if you trim that up you could make that thing go up into a tree and not a bush some it's a yellow bell type thing and he's like really you think I said yeah let's go and we took a chainsaw to it wang, wang, zoom, zoom, black tarred it off so it wouldn't grow you know just and you know what's going to happen it's getting up there and it's going to be a beautiful tree shade for the side of the house well that's what's happening here revelation 12 you're probably there i'm not so give me just a minute so that's the issue there is the issue of bearing fruit revelation 12 verse 11 and they overcame him by, number one, the blood of the Lamb. Number two, by the word of their testimony. And number three, love not their lives unto the death. There, no, again, there's three there. There are some people that overcome him by the blood. They're saved. That's their standing, the blood of the Lamb. Then there's some that are going to go, go beyond that, and they're going to have, they have the, the things that are, accompany salvation, and yet they carry out the testimony of, of Jesus Christ. And then there's going to be some that are going to be doing all that, but then they go beyond that and become a martyr and have their head chopped off. Okay? But what did Revelation 2 say to those that get that, that lose their life, love not their lives unto death, what, they get a crown of life. They'll never see the second death. They, they, get that, they get that martyr's crown from Christ. Come over to chapter 17 of Revelation. Again, just want you see the three. We, what do we got? 100, 60, and 30. We got fruit, uh, more fruit, much fruit. You've got threes running through here. Revelation 17, 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. you got the three again. So when you come back to Matthew 13, my point in that is you've got threes. You've got some categories here. And the issue in all of these four responses is the issue of fruit bearing. And there are degrees of fruit bearing that are going to be involved here as he begins to gather that little flock together. The sower is out sowing the seed. Okay, he's, gonna, he's demonstrating to the little flock how they're going to go out there and gather in more. You know, I was going to put it on the board and I didn't. How they're going to go get that untoward generation and bring them in. How are you going to do this? And again, they're going to go out there and they're going to gather up the brethren and get them in, try to get them in. And when that happens, then you're going to have this whole issue here okay so the parable of the sower describes the way that the little flock the little flock is going to be gathered together and what's going on in their midst 
And what's going to happen here is the sower, the Lord, give them the word. You've got four responses. That good, good heart, the good ground guy gets it and comes in. Okay? Now, next time we'll go down through the next parable and uh, the parable of the tares here where now he begins to describe the way that the little flock is going to be gathered together, what's going to happen in their midst, where they're going, and what they're doing. Here's what he's doing, giving the word, collecting them up. Now here's what they're going to go do, okay? So we'll, we'll pay attention to that next time, all right? And we'll go down through that. We'll pick up here in verse 24 and move, move in. Again, that another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto... Now we're going to be talking about specifically the groups. The parable of the sower is about him and the people's response, and the goal is the, bear, the fruit-bearing issue, and that there are different levels of the fruit-bearing and uh, that, that take place because some are going to get it. And so I think about Ananias and Sapphira, they got that they had to sell everything and give alms. They just were greedy. They just didn't want to give it all. We'll just give a piece. Keep a piece. We'll give the Lord the profit. We'll just get back our principal. You know, that wasn't what the word said. The word said you give it all, hundred percent. And I think about them when I think about these the, the these guys. They didn't. They had the word. They understood it. They were rejoicing in it until it came to crunch time, a little push, a little pressure. And uh, it, it is interesting. Paul says uh, to the Corinthians um, that uh, these things showed up. So that, um, I was trying to remember how he said it. So that, that they would be man, made manifest. Um, I'll, think of, I'll think of it. And basically when the pressures come, the faithful step up. Everybody else runs for the hill and, uh, and everybody else, the faithful ones will, will show up. Okay? Yes. We won't be watching it. We'll be busy in the presence of the Father getting ready for the heavenly places. We'll, we will know it's. We will be aware of it going on, but we will be waiting for the war in heaven to be done, and then we'll sit. Okay. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your Word, and above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your Son. We thank you for the things that you're doing here with your with your people, getting them ready, and we appreciate the, and we're thankful for the opportunity to study it and to look at it and to learn it. We'll give you the praise and the glory. Amen.